Hello, and welcome to the Beyond Borders podcast, the podcast that explores topics related to international trade. This podcast is brought to you by Buckland. For over 70 years, Buckland has been working to help companies across the world experience global trade in a better way. As a customer-focused company, we provide you with a single source of unmatched customs brokerage, trade-managed solutions, freight forwarding, trade technologies, and warehousing and distribution services. I'm your host, Jenny Kaus, Corporate Marketing Manager at Buckland, and today we are sharing a special initiative that has recently been undertaken at Buckland in response to COVID-19 to assist our team members. Buckland has launched the Only at Buckland Mental Health and Wellness Lecture Series, which is taking place over the course of four weeks and features Jennifer Harkness, who is a psychotherapist and has a counseling and art therapy practice called Courageous Heart Healing. We have found these sessions with Jen to be incredibly insightful and useful, so we are sharing them with the hope that they are helpful for others as well. The final of four sessions is called Psychological Safety in a Global Pandemic, and you will now hear the audio from a recent Zoom call that Jennifer held with Buckland on this topic. Over to Jennifer. So today, Psychological Safety in a Global Pandemic. Um, Again, we are in this together, and today we're going to go over, you know, the entire mental health and wellness series. Um, as well as introduce the new concept of um, psychological safety. Um, That's the titles of the talk slide. All right. So today, some of the information I'm going to give is it's going to be repetitive. If you have listened to all the talks, there is repetition in every single one. As human beings, we need repetition to learn. We need to make mistakes to learn. We have to practice to learn. And so, um, and you can never really have this information too much. Because, um, because every time you hear it, you're going to get a deeper understanding and a, deep, a deeper experience with the content. Again, like Shirley said at the beginning, um, you know, realistic expectations. Nobody's at their peak performance right now. Um, our brains are under a tremendous amount of stress. Um, everybody's just doing the best that they can. So I think right now having a generous outlook for everybody of you know, looking at the meaning behind the behavior that everybody's trying to cope and having some kindness is really needed. Oxygen mask on you first, right? You have to take care of your body and your emotions and yourself first so then you can be there for others. Um, and, you know, usually the, the order I go is you first, then your marriage, then your kids, family and friends, and then work, which is in a lot of ways counterintuitive to what we're told. I think especially in Western culture, it's, you know, work and productivity first. But the science is pretty conclusive that when you have a really good base of safety within yourself and your family unit, you actually perform better at work anyway. So in the first talk, we went over, you know, basic just brain science and regulation. And just as a reminder, so you kind of have three parts in your brain. You have the back part, which is like a snake and it's your cerebellum, and it runs all of your autonomic functioning. The middle part is like a puppy. It's your limbic system, and it runs all of your sensory input and your emotions and relationship. And then the wrinkly stuff all around is your um, computer, which is your neocortex and prefrontal lobe. And that's where all of your thinking, language, choice, gratitude, all those, all those things are. And one of the key things that I, I hope that you all take with you is the importance of taking care of the puppy. You have to take care of your body and you have to take care of your emotions and your relationships first for the computer to work at optimum performance. 
again, you know, this is mirrored in Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You can see it here in the slide, body, safety, and security first, then belonging and love. And then we can get up into the higher parts of, of being human, which is esteem and agency and being your best self. Um, knowing what your needs are, your basic needs, which we went over a lot in talk two, and there's even in the handout a lot of languaging around needs um, and feelings, because I find um, in my practice, a lot of times what people struggle with is even finding the language around feelings and needs. So that's there for you to practice. But looking at your needs and resourcing for them in healthy ways is critical. And a key part of compassion for others is looking and saying, hmm, what, what is their behavior showing me that they actually need underneath that? So again, we are pack animals. We are designed, we're hardwired for connection, for survival, and we definitely are stronger together. And as Shirley said in the intro, more than ever, when we are in a collective crisis, we really have to come together as a community in, in new and different ways. And actually, you know, thinking back, maybe actually taking a step back to older ways when we had smaller, smaller communities that really pitched in and took care of each other. In talk three, um, I, I discussed pro productivity and creating change moving forward um, and introduced a lot of concepts there. Um, basically, you know, working together to create a new world and a better world and cultivating resilience from that foundation, that oxygen mask on you first, up all the way into our businesses, our governments, our communities, that sort of thing. So one of the reasons that I think that these talks are so progressive and that Buckland's really, you know, in the, the front line of getting ahead of this, um, I, did a, I did a lot of research in the last week about disaster responses. Um, the uh, substance abuse and mental health um, services, uh, uh, I can't remember the last word, <laughs> services department, um, put out some great graphs. Um, that discuss kind of the, the numbers and trajectory of what, you know, natural disasters, community disasters usually have. And I have it here on the um, slide. You can see there, you know, the first little tick at the bottom is March and April, May, we are here, right? And so pre-disaster is when we were all just hearing like, hey, you know, China's got some stuff going on. We're not sure what's going on. The, the warning was there. Um, then in March, of course, it, it came here um, to North America, and we had our, our impact. Shortly after that, there's a heroic effort, right, to get everybody together, to do something, um, get supplies to hospitals, uh, stay-at-home orders, those sorts of things. Right now, we're actually in a honeymoon period, which to me, when I read that, felt a little brim because people have really been very anxious uh, in, the, in the past three months, rightfully so. Um, the honeymoon period is kind of like, okay, like, we're in this, we're doing this, kind of like a little bit of a new normal. And from here, we're going to go down into some disillusionment. And I'm going to talk a little bit about what symptoms we're going to see. Um, and we're going to have some trigger events uh, come up probably. And in disillusionment, the reason they call it that is that it's, it's basically the awareness sets in, the grief and loss sets in that we're not going back to the way it was. There's going to be a new normal, quite like, you know, 9-11 is a good example for those of us that lived through that. We can remember flying before 9-11. We can remember flying in the world after 9-11. So there will be changes in this, and that's going to be part of it. And come this summer, we're going to really dip into that and, and feel that and see that. Um, and then there's going to be the holidays. Um, and hopefully, if there's no other, all this data is based off of there's no other uh, impact events, right? Then we'll come through to January to next spring into the one-year anniversary. And, you know, most people will, will recover psychologically speaking, and we'll get back to the baseline that we were at. 
I want to emphasize that this means um, this chart is based off of there's no more impact events. Um, as Shirley said at the beginning with the headlines, the economy, um, there's lots of science coming out about potential second wave. You know, there's there's probably going to be some more impact events ahead. And so, you know, one of the things that the data showed when I did the research is, you know, I'm not sharing this to be doomsday and, and scary, but to prepare you to psychologically prepare you so you you know that your feelings are normal moving ahead. You're not pathologizing what you're experiencing and you know, okay, we're actually in the honeymoon period. I might this summer feel lower than I do now. And so that's an important thing to, to know. Within this chart in the behavioral forecast, um, you know, and again, these are trajectories based off of um, a lot of a lot of research. Nobody quite knows exactly, you know, how it's going to look, but the, the general wave is that we start with some anxiety, right, which I think a lot of people have been feeling. So a lot of sleepless nights, stomach aches, headaches, fatigue, worry, those sorts of things. Then coming into June through September, we're going to see more acting out. And what that looks like is increased substance use, maybe increased theft. Um, people breaking rules, um, that sort of thing. People are going to get angsty, right? And they're going to they're going to act out. And part of the acting out also might be shutting down. It might be people isolating, people not wanting to leave their homes, getting depressed, that sort of thing. Then coming into September through December, which will be coinciding with you know mental health. I've always said my busy season is October through January, and why? Because the weather, right? It gets dark and cold, um, and we're indoors more. Um, and the holidays are very triggering for a lot of folks for a lot of different reasons. Um, so, so we're coming into this natural cycle and a disaster as we're coming into the holiday season. So we're going to see more depression and more grief and more mental health issues coming up. We're going to see um, greater suicide rates and domestic violence. And again, I'm not saying this to be grim. I'm saying this to prepare you. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that preparation uh, in, in the rest of this talk. Um, then after that, again, we'll start to, if there's no more impact events, start to come back to a baseline of, of functioning. And I want to emphasize that the vast majority of people are going to recover from this. Shirley asked me a while ago, um, you know, how much PTSD are we going to see? Well, the numbers at least show that it's about a four to 6% uh, rate of PTSD coming out of a disaster, right? So, and, and again, like the talk to went into that a little bit more. If you have pre-existing um, trauma, you're more likely to have those symptoms up or to have PTSD from this event. Um, but the vast majority of people, it's, it's going to be up and down. You're going to be surfing a lot of waves in this experience emotionally, um, and you'll come out the other side okay. So I want to emphasize that, particularly if we use active coping skills, which Talk one, really, that's all what talk one is about, is it's your body under stress and, and active coping skills to share with your family. So again, I want to just do a little overview that we went over and talked to, but go in a little more depth about mental health. So mental health, is, it's complex. There's a lot of factors that go into our moods and our behaviors. Uh, there's biology, right? There's genetics. There's just your own wiring. There's, um, you know, your, how you feed your body, which is environment. There's the, your family home, your school, your work environment. There's experiences that you have, like a pandemic. That's your environment. Then there's kind of luck of the draw. I mean, you know, we don't really know why some people have certain propensities and others don't. Really, in mental health, we're still in a probably like a toddler period of understanding mental health in a lot of ways. Um, the brain science is really promising as we move forward, and I have a lot of hope for that. Um, we don't always know why we struggle with mental health issues for those of us that have uh, mental illness. 
But what we do know is what we can do about it, right? Which again, goes back to the active coping skills and community and, you know, trying to, um, to cope in a healthy way. So anxiety, um, you know, we've talked about in the other talks, everybody has experienced anxiety to a certain uh, degree in their lives. Um, we actually need anxiety to learn um, and to grow. And in a lot of ways, our brain needs that to motivate and needs it to remember things. Um, so anxiety, you know, oftentimes we think of it as worry and it can be, but a lot of times it's also irritation, uh, lack of patience. Um, tension. I know I've been hearing a lot of people in the last couple of weeks report, and I've been having them too, tension headaches, right? And stomach aches. Um, uh, somebody uh, recently told me about um, abdominal migraines starting to happen. Um, that's, that's actually a thing, right? So a lot of body ailments um, that come up with too much cortisol and adrenaline and all those, um, that go juice I talked about in the, the first talk. Um, there's a feeling of impending doom. You can feel wound up and tired at the same time, kind of antsy, but also can't do anything, right? Not motivated, difficulty focusing, um, and just your mind won't shut up, shut off. That's, that's hyperarousal. Um, and what I see with hyperarousal a lot, um, in general, especially when there's trauma is a hypervigilance, right? You know, it's, it's kind of looking out for danger all the time, looking out for, um, you know, what's next. If there's a lot of brain like perseveration, which we'll talk about in a moment. Um, so having really good boundaries um, is important right now. Saying no. Um, I know for some of us that hyper arouse, I tend to be like, a, I'll start saying yes more. And it's, I actually need to say no, right? To, to have a little bit more space and slow down. Um, just being aware of, you know, what our needs are and resourcing them for in a healthy way. As we did um, talk about in talk two, you know, I put some pictures here about like the toilet paper hoarding or the news or people, you know, being very divisive and, and fighting online and that sort of thing. Um, all those people are, are trying to get needs met. And so part of the question is, you know, how can you get them met, you know, more efficiently? For instance, you know, toilet paper, we all need it, obviously, but you probably don't need cases of it. So what's behind that? It's maybe security. So, you know, pausing and doing some of the grounding stuff we talked about and coming into the moment of like, okay, I'm, I'm in my home. I, I'm safe here. Um, there's nothing hurting me in this moment. I actually don't need all this toilet paper. I need to feel my feelings. Um, that's like a skill that you can have um, within that. So finding healthy outlets for the angst and knowing what you can control and what you can't control, right? Um, I only watch the news once or twice a week. I'm very selective of what news I take in. Um, you know, even scrolling Facebook is hard right now because it's just COVID, 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 all the headlines. Um, that amps up my nervous system, right? I have a need to know, but I, I also have a need not to um, be constantly stimulated. So looking at those needs within yourself and getting those met appropriately. So perseveration, right? It's a bad case of the what if. It's your mind trying to plan and trying to figure things out. It's really hard to do in the pandemic because there's so many unknowns and so much uncertainty. So when you find yourself going into, you know, a bad case of the what if and going especially to catastrophe, you know, and doom and all those things, Again, ground, come into the moment, right? Try to find a, uh, what they call a sense of, a felt sense of safety, right, in your body in this moment. Um, you can even do it right now as I'm talking. You can wiggle your toes, press your feet on the floor, like you're right here, right now, watching a Zoom talk. There's actually no direct threat to your person in this very moment. Um, 
give your mind a healthy job, right? Um, have self-soothing strategies, um, naming the anxiety and, and naming it as anxiety thoughts. Like when I start thinking, oh my gosh, you know, the economy and everything's, I'm going to be homeless and, you know, I'm probably going to die of COVID and all these things. I name it as those are anxiety thoughts, right? And the reality again is currently, right? I, I have housing, I'm healthy, I'm okay. Those are risks. And right now I'm safe. Um, and giving your mind a healthy job, you know, I think I talked about before, um, having a couple topics that you think about that, um, stimulate your mind and have an outlet for those what ifs that are, that are not scary, right? Cause whenever we visualize something, our brain thinks that it's happening right now. So if I visualize, you know, COVID death in hospitals, I'm there. If I visualize sailboats, I'm there. I think I'm going to pick the sailboats. Depression is hypoarousal. So again, we're going to come into this disillusionment and a lot of you are going to feel, um, you know, the meh. I call it the meh, the case of the mess. Um, not all of feeling depressed is clinical depression. Clinical depression is when it lasts like two weeks. But all of us are probably going to have days where we have no motivation, apathy, don't care anymore, no energy, irritation, anger, sadness, just feel disconnected. That's, that's going to be a common experience in this. And, it, and that's when I say surf the waves. You kind of surf the hypo arousal when you're feeling down, surf the hyper arousal when you're feeling angsty, always trying to come back to that baseline of calm by taking care of your puppy. So motivation, you know, to help deal with that, give yourself incentives, try to do routine, don't overschedule yourself, but definitely try to, you know, have good sleep hygiene, for instance, you know, similar bedtime every night, similar bedtime routine every night. Same for waking up, food, just basic stuff. Having that routine is really important right now, um, putting a little bit of structure in there. And when you are hypo-aroused, you, you, you do need to move, but you, again, don't want to overdo it. So gentle movement and realistic expectations. Like, you know, if you're having a mess day and you um, really have no motivation, maybe just pick like one or two simple things you can do that day. Um, boredom. I'm hearing this a lot from people, right? A lot of our outlets for novelty and fun are taken away. Um, and so use your imagination, get curious. Um, one strategy, there's two strategies I want to share. One strategy is, um, have a bucket list. So especially with kids, I, I make little like, um, boredom boxes, uh, where you make flips of paper with ideas of stuff to do. So then when they're like, Oh, I'm so bored, they can go pull something out of the, of the box and find something to do. Um, for adults, I think it's good to have like a bucket list of interests, like things to Google even. Like uh, Shirley was telling me about how she can see Buffalo from Toronto. And I was like, wow, I don't really know that geography. So that's going to be on my bucket list for today. Of, like I'm going to Google geography of Toronto and Buffalo because I'm just curious. It gives, again, it gives my mind a healthy job, something to do, um, something to feel accomplished with. Um, and this is really all about adaptation. So I haven't been able to sail my boat in a couple of weeks um, or a couple months and stay at home. Um, and they're opening it up this weekend, uh, which I'm very excited about. But at the same time, this, this entire time I've been fantasizing about it, right? Which of course means I've been sailing in my head and that's how we can adapt, right? Fatigue, we're, we're all that allostatic load I talked about last time. Allostatic load is just your brain is in constant uncertainty, unknown, and stress, right? And we're all in that right now. Our brains are, whether you realize it or not, your brain every single day since this started is working like 10 times as hard as it used to work. 
And so that's why you're feeling a lot of um, fatigue. We're also in general doing less physical movement. Like you can even think about walking to your car and back or, you know, walking down the hallway of your office building and back to, to print something or whatever your normal routines, they're gone. So we're having less physical movement. So that also creates fatigue. Disrupted sleep, of course. I, I slept four hours last night, just, you know, and there's no, I don't have to know the why. I just know that my body was having a hard time sleeping. Um, and that's, that's common and normal right now. Um, so again, we're just having to change and adapt. So even when I'm uh, on calls all day with clients, um, I try to go for walks or I walk up and down my stairs quite a few times. Um, things like that just to get some more movement is a way that I'm trying to adapt. So again, name it. I cannot emphasize this enough. Pretty much the majority of my job right now, because we are in the crisis, right, is just naming what's happening because the brain is confused, it's overloaded, and it's surprising how often in a day I will say to people, well, it's a pandemic. Of course you feel tired. Of course you feel stressed. Of course it's hard to motivate. And it's over and over I hear people go, oh, Right. <laughs> because it's easy to kind of compartmentalize and forget and putting the language on there helps com- uh, integrate the computer and the puppy to come into the moment and be like, okay, yeah, that's why I don't have to perseverate about it. It's okay. Now I'm going to use some skills. So one big skill that we need to do is celebrate the wins, celebrate even the little tiny wins, right? Like when I take a shower or I have a snack or I drink water, I'm like, good job, Jen. And it, again, it sounds kind of silly on one level, but I really am into the brain science and I know that that's helping my brain to regulate and it's helping to wire for more joy and happiness. Um, it's bringing me a lot of benefit. Knowing how you like to celebrate is important. So I literally have grown friends that are doing sticker charts right now, right? And, and when they do things on their to-do list, they put stickers on their chart, right? And just to help give a little bit more emphasis on motivation and emphasis on celebrating, um, having treats, right? I've talked about my love of cookies. So, you know, trying to limit it to just like one, maybe two a day. But if I get certain things done, I'm like, oh, I got to have a cookie. Things like that actually help um, give dopamine to your brain, which will help you feel better and also help you motivate more. Um, and just do a lot of affirmations. Good job. It's, that's a simple thing that you can do for yourself. And please give them to other people. Give them as much as you possibly can. Tell people that you appreciate them. Tell them they're doing a good job. Um, surprisingly, when I when I have clients that say, like, you know, I, I had a full meal last night, I'm like, good job. And it's surprising how much that, that makes them feel good. In the research with the disaster response, um, it really mirrors a lot of what I talked about in talk three with resiliency building. That's really what we have to do right now to prepare. The more healthy habits and active coping and community that you build now in the, in the honeymoon period, it's going to help you as we go into fall. So in my mind as a, as a mental health therapist right now, I'm trying to psychoeducate people of what's to come and give them lots of skills so they can start to build habits, right? Because we don't change everything big overnight. We just need to put little habits in, like going for a walk every day is a habit I put in. Drinking more water is a habit I put in. If I can get those going, then when fall hits, and I know things are going to get tougher just for everybody in general due, the, due to the data, I'm going to have some healthy habits built in already that I don't have to be like, oh my gosh, what do I do, right? I'm supporting my nervous system before then. So, so that's really important. So reach out to people, connect to people, um, online community, 
uh, is super important. Thank goodness that we have the internet and, and that we have those resources at this point. If you know people that don't have the internet, find ways to connect with them. I have a friend that's just sending cards out to everybody she knows. I got one in the mail the other day and it was lovely just to get a card in the mail. Do stuff like that. Creating a sense of purpose. So altruism also makes you feel really good. Uh, it makes meaning out of the experience. Um, giving these talks and, and Buckland offering this to the community, that's a great act of altruism, um, which creates purpose in this very chaotic time. Um, I know a lot of people that are doing like neighborhood um, check-ins with people or getting groceries for people. Um, I have a whole slew of people that are um, in the States, undocumented folks can't get any kind of services right now. So there's people that are raising money in their neighborhoods to go and help feed undocumented families who, for the most part, are also um, unemployed right now. So, you know, there's things, there's things you can do if you have the energy to do it, right? There's lots of opportunity right now to create some purpose, which I find for some people is really helping them make, make it through this pandemic. So back to the adaptation and flexibility. That is the name of the game. We have to be resourceful. It makes me think of, Shirley, you talked about your mother in the Depression. I think about my my grandmother in the Depression and, and how many stories I heard of um, just being resourceful, right? Like just any time she had bacon, right, using the bacon grease as far as she could to cook, you know, you, they had to be really um, thoughtful about their resources. Um, be curious. Be creative. Um, those things are going to help you um, in this. And, and you can't really be curious and creative without your computer booted up. So again, we go back to the puppy and really taking care of your body, taking care of your emotions and connecting with people. We really need to cultivate hope. And we talked about this a little bit last time. Shirley mentioned it here at the beginning of the talk. I think we do need to get really curious about what's working, what's not working um, in our lives and assess what we'd like to do moving forward. We need to daydream, daydream how we'd like this whole thing to resolve. Daydream the world that you want to live in. Cultivating hope, you know, the news lately has been pretty grim for me, honestly. So I actively look for the helpers. I actively look for the news of people doing good things. I actively go to my community that are out there feeding people or, um, you know, just being so generous. I look for that on purpose to help balance out the stress load. So please try to find the helpers out there and maybe even step into a role of being a helper. So we're going to talk about psychological safety today. And, um, you know, I'm a therapist. We love good metaphors. And I've been using the puppy metaphor. I like that one a lot. I'm going to bring this into sailing because uh, clearly that's a passion of mine. So psychological Google teams did a big study on, you know, what were their most successful teams and what were, what were they doing? Right. So they, the most successful teams had really good psychological safety. They had dependability. They had structure and clarity. They had meaning in their jobs and they had impact in their jobs. So we're going to go more into the psychological safety. Dependability is kind of obvious, right? Show up consistently, be trustworthy, Structure and clarity, that's about realistic expectations, right? Really knowing your organization. Uh, and this counts, all of this counts for both work and home, by the way, right? Knowing your roles at home, that sort of thing. Meaning is, is having a purpose, like why do you do the job you do? Uh, why, why do you love the family you have? That sort of thing. Um, impact is my role has a sense of agency. It's important in this entire, entire system. So um, 
and part of this to go back a little bit, you know, I, I run sailboat teams too. So I'm going to bring in some of that direct me- metaphor because, you know, sailboat teams, it's pretty intense because you're literally putting your life in somebody else's hands, um, on a regular basis out there and, and sometimes very severe conditions. So I think it's a good, good metaphor during a, a pandemic, but just a good metaphor in life on how to get along and work as an efficient team. So psychological safety is really about good leadership that's very inclusive. Like Shirley said at the beginning, inclusive leadership where everybody's voice is heard and everybody's, uh, everybody's opinion matters and is a collaboration for the whole. So psychological safety is being a leader that allows mistakes and teams that can talk about mistakes, can talk about ideas, can talk about concerns without any kind of retribution for their career, their identity. They're not going to be judged, right? So this this came from a, a woman at Harvard Business uh, School uh, named Amy Edmondson, and um, her research is great. In the handout, I've got some resources and even a rubric on how to see, like, what's our psychological safety in my home and at work? Um, and what she found is that, you know, businesses where people could say, mm, I think this is a bad idea and it's going to tank, and they felt safe to do that, were, were more successful. And businesses where people could say, I have a great idea, but it's a little bit outside the box, um, were more successful places where you can mess up and your team would look at as a a growth mindset opportunity were more successful. So psychological safety moving forward in this pandemic also looks like people with differing opinions, right? Um, I know that that's been a big thing online, you know, uh, stay at home, not stay at home, that sort of thing. How do we create psychological safety around different people's opinions and and, um, experiences in this pandemic um, to where we're coming together in a collaborative way to do problem solving because everybody wants to be happy and healthy. So how do we find a, a way forward in that? And a good leader is responsible for that safety. So we talked about growth mindset. Um, I've got a sailboat that's just going wonky. Everything's going wrong. And the, the captain's yelling and the other people are freaked out and, and yelling as well. Um, in sailing, we always talk about you have to do it 99 ways the wrong way before you figure it out to do it the right way. So there's a lot of mistakes in sailing. Um, there's a lot of mistakes in life. There's a big parallel there. If you think about things that you're really good at, I want you to think about for a second how many times you have failed at that, <laughs> how many times you've made mistakes in it. And people who are really successful look at those and say, okay, how can I take that um, in a different direction moving forward? Um, leadership styles. Uh, again, we talked about this last week. Authentic leadership um, is a person that has emotional intelligence, is inclusive, um, is transparent, um, is collaborative, and participates. And that's why, again, the sailing is a good metaphor because the captain is also sailing the boat with everybody else. And so you literally are in the same boat together. There's been a metaphor going around uh, that I've been liking where it's like, maybe we're not all in the exact same boat, like we have different kinds of boats, but we're all on the water in a big storm right now. Right. And so looking at who are the people in your boat at home and at work and how are you running your boat? Um, part of running a really good team, again, at home or work is clarity. You have to have really clear and realistic expectations and a rubric of what you're doing and why you do it. So in this, in this metaphor, like, why do we sail? Right. What's our purpose for, for the team for the season, that sort of thing. And uh, allowing all members to have a voice at the table and collaborating on what that mission is, is, is really important and create success. So even within the pandemic, asking your family, asking your work teams, like, what's realistic right now? 
again, I want to emphasize, probably it's not realistic that we're all going to be on our super A, a game at this time. And so psychological safety is also being able to like tell your boss or tell a child, tell their parent, like, I have no capacity right now to do my homework. I'm really struggling today on focus and that being a safe thing and, and having a community that's going to resource you in that and support you in that moving forward is going to be really, really important because we're all going to be surfing those waves. So understanding the whole boat, right? So you got to understand all the different parts that make the whole Right. So at home, oftentimes we think of just like parents running the, the home and the, and the kids are just there, but the kids are actually part of the home too, right? They're, they're part of the team as well. So their voices matter, what they contribute matters. Um, even if they're little, sometimes what they contribute is laughter and joy, right? But naming that and getting clear about what everybody's roles are in a realistic way is important and understanding all the working mechanisms. So at work, you know, all the way down from like at Buckland, people who are in the warehouse all the way to tech people and CEOs, like how, how is it all working together? Um, it's funny cause I, I drew this boat thinking about a metaphor. Um, I was racing one day and I looked down in, in the cockpit and in, in the cabin and there's just water pouring in. And immediately I was like, Oh my gosh, through holes, you know, which are little holes in the bottom of the boat where water drains out. And I had to go check them to make sure we weren't going to sink. If, if I was not a good captain, if I didn't know about those through holes and know how the boat works and how it's rigged and, and all of that, it could be a disaster for everybody, right? So even the person at the top needs to know the stuff at the bottom, right? Like, and vice versa and how it all works together, which of course it kind of cracked me up because anybody who sailed knows that I forgot to put the running rigging on this. There's no uh, main sheet on that boom. <laughs> so within that, looking at the whole boat, right? everybody's got a role. And what you want is everybody to understand everybody's role, how it works together and owning their role and being valued in it. So the person that's like, you know, the little cat on the bow here, that's going to take, take down the sail, the guy that's trimming, the guy that's driving, right. Or I'm going to say the woman that's driving, um, you know, they're all important to make this ship sail smoothly. And if something goes wrong, like if the person driving, for instance, like hurts their hand and somebody else has to take that wheel, they need to know how, right? So everybody actually does need to know enough about everybody's role in a system to make it work. And, and everybody needs to be valued in that. Communication. So active listening. Um, we went over this and talked to kind of briefly, but I cannot emphasize this enough. Active listening is open-ended listening. It's trying to listen with as little judgment and bias as possible, which is hard as a human, for sure. So having some emotional intelligence of what your biases are, how you're feeling, um, is really important. Part of emotional intelligence is active listening and being able to name feelings, identify needs, and communicate with folks in an open, safe way to where people feel like they can be vulnerable and they can be honest. And again, all of this, if we really need incentive, humans really usually need incentive to change. All of this is very conclusive in the research that it helps bottom line, right? So I know in the West, we often are driven by money and bottom line and productivity. All of this stuff is part of that, right? Um, on a sailboat, it's, it's call and response, right? We need to take down the sail. Okay. We need to pull that line. Okay. Somebody says something, somebody responds back. And that's the same in life. If your child says, I'm tired, you respond back, right? If somebody at work says, oh, this is hard, you respond back. It's a call and response. And the more you do that, it builds safety and trust. 
when there's cohesiveness in a team and there's lots of, again, celebrate the wins, positive reinforcement, encouragement, gratitude, you can reach peak performance and have a balanced vote, right? I'm going to say in a pandemic, probably peak performance for a pandemic would be a good way to word that. But to have a balanced vote, you need all of these things that I just talked about, which is part of psychological safety to make that vote run smoothly and to keep everybody physically safe and emotionally and mentally safe, right? It's, it all ties together. So, Inevitably, there's going to be conflict. Remember way back in the slides, you know, when, when I was doing the growth mindset and the sailboat's going wonky and everybody's barking, right? It's really important to have, that's going to happen. It's inevitable. Conflict's always inevitable. People get triggered, stuff happens. Part of psychological safety is conflict resolution and being able to repair that. So having meetings afterwards where it's like, okay, this is what happened. I want everybody to have a say. Um, you know, you give every member an opportunity to talk about how they feel, what they need. It's always on the shoulder, again, of the leader. And we're all leaders in different ways in our lives. You know, maybe you're not the boss at work, but you're the boss of certain aspects of your life at home. We all are like the art of possibility. We're all leading from our own chair in some way. So what kind of a leader are you? And psychological safety is being a leader that's going to model and apologize so I have certainly been on a boat where things went sideways and I have yelled at my crew and I yelled because I was triggered and I was scared for safety and my puppy was barking. And then as soon as we were safe back at dock, the first thing I do after we're all kind of put away and stuff and calming down, having a snack, I say, I'm sorry. Wow. That went sideways. I yelled. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about what happened, what we can do differently. And then when you do that, the funny thing is when the boat goes sideways next time, you don't yell because you're all prepared. You know what to do when the boat goes sideways in that particular way. So in a team, right, family, work, wherever, on a boat, you win or lose together. And this is so important. This goes back to the equity I've been talking about. You know, equity is, is about how everybody has different capacities, different privileges, um, different ways of being. And to have equality, we need to have name that and acknowledge it and have equity in it. So, for example, um, as a woman on a sailboat, just to use the, the metaphor some more, um, I'm not physically in my upper body as strong as maybe some of my, my male sailors. However, because of that, I can do mechanical advantage. I can put certain things on the boat to make it easier to pull lines, more purchase on lines and winches and things like that, right? That's equity. That allows me to have the same performance as my stronger team members with my body size. So we need to look at this collectively moving forward and saying like, what does everybody need in this boat to allow them to get to that top of the triangle of their best self and perform it their, in their best way? All the way down again from, I think of, you know, the people when I go to the grocery store bagging the groceries, all the way up to the people that are selling the food to the CEOs that own the store, right? How do you have equity within that to where everybody has their needs met um, so they can perform the best? And, and that's going to help everything move forward smooth, more smoothly. So lastly, you know, I, I thought about this. Um, a lot of my messaging always throughout my entire career, if you really want to boil it down, be kind. You know, be kind to yourself. Be kind to other people. Create connection. Create community. Communicate. Have compassion. 
just just be kind out there. I think that's one of the the biggest things we can do. Um, it's been interesting as a as a therapist lately because some of the sessions are even just basic conversations, human human, like just basic, like what'd you do today? What'd you eat? And you know, part of me is like, oh, you know, all the training is that therapeutic? That's hugely therapeutic right now, hugely therapeutic. So y'all just can go out and have some conversations, real, vulnerable, honest conversations. Um, I don't like the pandemic; it's stressing me out. That's, that's part of being real and being a leader and showing up. And you all have the, the potential to do that. So we're at the end of, of this talk, and we're going to open it up um, to questions. There is, a, like I said, a handout for this one as well. And hopefully this gave you some incentive to go back and maybe even re-listen or listen to the original talks that have uh, even more information in them. And that concludes the fourth and final session from the Only at Buckland Mental Health and Wellness Lecture Series on the Beyond Borders podcast. Our sincere thanks to Jennifer Harkness for sharing your wisdom and resources. If you have any questions, please reach out to me at marketing at buckland.com or check the show notes for more resources. If you are looking for more resources related to international trade, check out buckland.com and click on the learning section across the top of the website. Here you'll find a range of resources, including learning guides, webinars, and podcasts. Our downloadable learning guides include IncoTerms charts, common trade terminology, how to avoid border delays, and many more. We also have a whole host of on-demand webinars on our website available for instant download. So check those out to access free and informative presentations. The best way to keep up to date on all of these resources is through our weekly newsletter. We send out a newsletter every Wednesday containing our latest resources, as well as a roundup of the latest trade news delivered right to your inbox. If you have any questions, reach out to us through our website's contact us page, through Twitter, where our handle is at Buckland Tweets, on our LinkedIn company page, or on Instagram, where our name is Buckland Insta. Thank you for listening to the Beyond Borders podcast, and be sure to tune in again and subscribe for more great conversations about importing, exporting, and everything else in the world of logistics and international trade.